Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Kirby. And I'm Sarah. Welcome Welcome to to Los Angeles. Angeles. Every week we break down the most important beauty news and launches, interview your favorite beauty experts, influencers, and celebrity guests, and review our favorite beauty products of the moment as your beauty editor BFFs from the beautiful and great city of Los Angeles. Welcome Glamgelinos. We hope you stay a while. Cute. That's cute. We both always start dancing and there's no music. Yeah, no music, a little head bob, and then we look at each other like, who is going to say what? (laughs) That's just how excited we are about today's guest. Today's guest is so good, such a good get. I'm so excited for y'all to hear this interview. Yes, so today we have Jada Jai who is the brand founder and CEO of Amicale. You for sure have been seeing Amicale all over your Instagram and on every publication, if you still read publications, if that's a thing that you still do, hopefully. I hope that people still read publications. So, you know, everyone has covered her. I recently interviewed her for Refinery, but if you are not familiar... Jada is a first-generation Senegalese-American. She is based in Harlem, New York. She founded Amicole. It is inspired by both her Senegalese background as well as her Harlem upbringing. She's worked in every job in fashion and beauty. She was in marketing, communications, and social for Rebecca Minkoff, Vibe Magazine, L'Oreal, and... Kirby did some, you know, in-depth reporting and found out that she also used to be a Sephora cast member prior to all of this. So she is like a beauty girl through and through. She also worked at Glossier, which she will go into. She was in product development there. And this all led her to launching her own brand three months ago, like during a pandemic, crazy. It's absolutely wild. Yeah, but Kirby and I are both such big fans of the products, such big fans of the brand, such big fans of her now having interviewed her. Like we feel like we felt just like we were hanging out with a friend. Yeah, because you know, there's different types of interviews. There's the really buttoned up people and they make it a whole production and then you kind of are like, oh God, okay, how much are they going to give? Are they going to give what they need to give or are they going to be giving like their very structured, buttoned up, you know, media trained answers type of thing. I feel like we do a pretty good job of like pulling it out of people, but there's definitely a line between like the very corporate, very businessy type interviews. And then just like someone that gets it. And you feel like we can really go onto a deeper plane here talking about beauty. And that's how it was with Giada. So I personally have been following her for a while We talk about this, but the brand is only three months old. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. I feel like this brand has been out for at least a year, but it only Mm -hmm. literally just launched. And we are so excited for you guys to hear everything that she has to say. She really did not hold back. She pulls back the curtain on a lot of things that I think you are probably curious about. You know, Sarah talked about the brand as her wife a few weeks ago. I recently got sent the products. They're the real deal. You're going to learn about why she picked everything, the logos to the color scheme to like why these three products. She launched with a skin enhancing tint, the light catching highlighter, which I mean, I just don't even want to use it because it's so beautiful looking. I know. It's gorge, but it looks great on the skin as well. And then the lip treatment oil. So tune in and listen to all of the beauty goodness that she's about to bestow upon you, including an epic Rihanna story that I'm still on a high 
from listening to. It's just one of those. We're not going to tell you where it is in the interview. So you can't like, I mean, if you're listening to this, you're probably going to listen to the whole episode, but I don't want anyone like skipping around. Yeah. Yeah. Don't just wait. It's, it's it's a treat. Chef's kiss. Amazing, amazing story. uh, Amazing career. And yeah, enjoy this interview. Y'all, if you do love our podcast, we would appreciate any support, any word of mouth, any lovely five-star review. You know what they say on Peloton? You know what Cody says on Peloton? Fuck shit. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck shit up. <laughs> Fuck shit up. That's RuPaul, okay? I th- no, he does though. When he says, "What do I? What happens when I play Britney Spears?" We fuck shit up. We do fuck shit up when he plays Britney Spears. He says at the end, "If you have the courage to share this with a friend," and I always am like, "You know what? You got me, Cody Rigsby." So if you have the <laughs> if you have the courage to share this podcast with a friend, please do. That's how we grow. I feel like we're on the up and up, but we'd like to be on the up and up and up. So share with a friend. Peace, love, and Ami Kole. <laughs> wow. Okay. Done. Mic drop. Giada, hello. How are you? I am much better now that I'm here with you guys. Oh. <laughs> You, first of all, are so stunning. I keep staring at your skin. Are you wearing the highlighter? I am wearing the highlighter and then the skin tint. But honestly, the skin tint saved me because I did not sleep last night. (laughs) Well, you fooled us. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Exactly. You look incredible. Thank you. We kick off every episode with a segment that we call What's on your face? I love it. What are you wearing? Not just on your face, but is there are there products that you're obsessed with right now that you've been using a lot? Yeah. So over the summer, I took a trip to Italy because I had to do some product development last minute. And I actually forgot that there are like French pharmacies in Italy. <laughs> so I was in the airport wiping off the shelf. <laughs> Lady was looking at me like, are you sure you want to bring that? And mind you, I like left with the carry-on. And I had to check in a bag when I came back. So I just re-upped on everything. So the Bioderma for sure, I've been using, I've been using this Alvian Hydra Mist. My skin was just super dehydrated coming from Senegal where it's very dry, traveling to Italy, coming back to New York. So really been focusing on replenishment. I'm still using my Tatra cleansing oil. <laughs> I never can like part from this. I, I try my best. I'm still using my Clur Cleansing Gel because it really just does a great job getting all of that grime on. I'm a product developer, so I'm always trying on things on my face. I'm like slathering products on my face all day long. Love that from a skincare perspective and just kind of rebalancing that with um, some face oils, some face serum. There's this new brand called Hue and Grace, and they make this very beautiful concoction of like grapeseed oil, rosehip, and it's like a there's like geranium in there. It's just so yummy that I wear all over my face morning and night. <laughs> wow. Mm-hmm. And I can't do without my sunscreen. So I always use my Polish Choice uh, Youth Fluid. I think it's a SPF 35 or 50. Ooh, okay. I have a question because I feel like people ask Kirby and me all the time, and I would love to know your strategy, what your spreadsheet if you have one looks like when you're trying all of these products out, like how are you keeping track of what you like, what's working? Like talk us through your mastermind, like strategy. Absolutely. So I never alter more than one a day I, or per like week, honestly. So what I'll do if, if it's a new cleanser, I would only replace the cleanser of the whole routine. So everything's the same using my bioderma in the morning to tone the skin and then using a new cleanser or a moisturizer to see, hey, does my skin love this thing? And if it doesn't love the thing, actually, I do kind of work backwards to see, like, is it um, reacting to something in the actual routine? So I'll either fit it into what's happening now or strip everything else and try that thing, especially if it's a cleanser or a moisturizer. So sometimes I will, like, if I'm going to bed, for instance, I'll just cleanse my face and, like, go to bed. <laughs> I know it's like a sin, but just to see in the, in the morning, how's my skin react to it? And if it's fine, I'm like, okay, great. You get to stay. <laughs> and if, it, if my skin is acting up a little bit and like not reacting well, I'm so quick to discard it. So 
people love like certain things like i think it's the not drunk elephant sunday riley ceramic slip people swear by it and i just it just couldn't fit into my routines i was like so sad that i couldn't go in there but instead i started using the honeymoon glow by pharmacy oh my god pharmacy yeah yeah dead dead i was like this is it what are they putting in that it's insane I don't know. I mean, it's <laughs> insane how good it is. I was like, what is in it? And it's the right amount of tingle. It's not giving you pee tingle. It's not mm-hmm, giving yep. you that abrasive smell. You can really see mm-hmm. the honey kind of work because it, it is very like hydrating too. So, you know, there's humectants there and it just does the job. I'm like pharmacy down. I like, I'm a part of that crew. <laughs> you know what? So this is, I love that you brought this up because, Sarah, I feel like we're going to go off script. We're just hanging out. Let it flow. Let it flow. So Sarah and I, and maybe Sarah, you have changed since we've talked about this last, but like everyone's obsessed with Biosance. I can't use Biosance products. They break me out. Like, I don't know what it is. It's something in the formulation. And for the longest time, I thought it was the squalane. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. squalane, squalane. I'm like, oh, it's the squalane. I can't (laughs) use squalane. And then I started, you know, noticing, oh, actually, I'm using a lot of products that have squalane in it. So it really just is, I think, like formulation is so important. So key. But so many people love Biosance. I mean, like we get messages all the time about the sunscreen, about how much they love using it. I'm like, okay, maybe I need to give the sunscreen a try. So I tried Biosance. I'm trying to remember. Like I remember when they first came out and it was just a cleansing oil, right? Yep. I think when they first hit Sephora shelves, it was just a cleansing oil. And they were like talking about how they're like the best squalene in the world. It's not from sharks. It's from something else, from plants. <laughs> when plant derived <laughs> became a thing. <laughs> and I think I felt similarly. I felt like the oil was a bit too watery, but some people love it. It's always those things. I felt the same thing about niacinamide. I forgot what formula it was. It might have been just pure niacinamide from, ooh, what's the name of it? The Like the ordinary? It was the ordinary. Because mm, everyone loves that product and it works yep. for everyone. I tried the ordinary and the inky list and I just couldn't fall in love with the niacinamide. So I'm like, oh, my skin doesn't love it. And then I tried it in the clear cleanser and my skin's like, hi, I love you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for this. Um, So formulation really is key. Because Leslie knows what's up. Leslie knows. She knows the deal. (laughs) We are are big, big clear fans over here. Okay. We're going to talk about Ami Kale, but we would be remiss if we didn't talk about all of your previous experience in both fashion and beauty before you launched your own company. You were at Rebecca Minkoff, you were at Vibe, L'Oreal, Glossier. You worked as a Sephora cast member at one point, like early aughts. I did. (laughs) I I missed those days. Okay, so you've been through it. (laughs) I I missed those Sephora's days. Right. Uh, so talk us through like your career, how you got into, you know, beauty and what led you to ultimately founding your own brand. So many things, so many things. Well, one, I feel like for as long as I remember, I just love beauty. I just love beauty. I grew up around it. It's literally like my livelihood of my family. My mom had a, a branding salon here in Harlem. So it's literally how we survived here as first generation and it was American. So my connection with beauty was just so powerful because I, you know, there's one, the livelihood of it. And two, just like how important it was for people to come in and get their hair done and have a safe space and talk to random strangers about like your boyfriend that broke up with you or your new job promotion or, you know, new hairstyles that you love watching on TV and the culture. Just so much about it was just so attached to who I was and how I identified myself as a black woman, especially growing up in Harlem. So for me, I had always been chasing that high. I like went to, you know, Syracuse University. This was during the hills and Kelly Catrone <laughs> and like all these like Oh my God. Never that. <laughs> People's Remember? Revolution. Ooh, how can you forget? <laughs> when MTV had that huge fashion moment and like we I'm like, what's New York Fashion Week? Like, what's a publicist and all these things? So I like left Syracuse University, kind of hit the ground running, interning at Team Vogue and Rebecca Minkoff and eventually would go into um, you know, starting in fashion. And, you know, beauty was always the cousin of fashion, especially back then. 
So just like a, such a like a laid back person. So fashion for me, even being from born and raised in New York, was a bit too cut edge for me and too unfriendly. And beauty was always that thing behind the scenes, you know, even at Fashion Week and like being a social media manager, you're there at 7 a.m. just kind of recording, seeing how the hair is done, the looks, the Rebecca Minkoff at the tents and all these things. So I was like, oh, God, I can't wait until like I'm like there. I'm like, I'm not a makeup artist, though. So what would I do? <laughs> so eventually just trying to find my footing in the right opportunity. I, I had a stint at Rebecca Minkoff, uh, really starting off social media marketing. I had sort of Vibe magazine, which was insane. I, I knew very quickly I had to like not be in the shop because it was too fun. You know, when the job's too fun, you got to quit. <laughs> I was partying all night. <laughs> you know, Beyonce's dropping album here. You're like at Clive Davis's. I'm like, oh, this is, this is getting too dangerous. So I actually went back into beauty and worked at Temp2. But before all of that, during college, I was working at, as a cast member at Sephora, and I was obsessed. Like the same way we started this conversation, we're just talking about it. That was my job. I was talking about it all day long, uh, getting the training from people coming in and just understanding a little bit more about these raw materials, what customers were looking for and actually asking for when they come into the door and servicing them and trying to figure out like how to do the Anastasia brow and like create that ratio and, you know, creating all these tools for the customer and it just gave me so much joy. So fast forwarding a bit, working at Temp2, uh, you know, I think at that time we were just leaving Sephora or entering Sephora. It just constantly became a 360 thing. So I did my stint at Temp2, which I loved, you know, being able to work very closely with like a mom and pop environment, very startup environment. And then you graduate into L'Oreal. You know, you either if you're a beauty marketer, you graduate either to L'Oreal or Estee Lauder. For me, it was L'Oreal. And that becomes very um, data-centric. So really trying to understand what community meant, trying to mobilize it against some, you know, KPIs, key metrics or whatever. And then I realized quickly that, you know, that wasn't my home. <laughs> I'm very curious human being. I've always been that way. And I wanted hands-on everything just to understand how do we create this baby. And then I left there and went to Glossier. And as you can imagine, that's everything at Glossier. Like, you know, you worked in product development, but you worked closely with the art direction team, very closely with community. And then I think throughout all of this life cycle, I was still craving that, you know, that home feel, like that home, homegrown, home-fed feeling of food. And that, that missing that, that aspect that my mom was able to create at the salon. And I knew just through my friends and like, you know, just watching the industry, like we wanted that look too. We wanted that my skin, but better look. We wanted that, you know, no makeup, makeup look. And we kind of were hacking it very much though. And like, they were obviously pioneers like Iman Beauty, but it was still very focused on, you know, creating the soft glam and the Kevin Aquan looks, but not really just the focus on skin. Like, is it her skin or is it like her makeup? So, you know, that became the birth and genesis of Amicole. It's a very, very long time coming. A lot of tears, a lot of blood and sweat, and a lot of, you know, cold emails. And eventually we created a freaking company and brand. I'm still wrapping my head around it. <laughs> Oh my God, I could listen to you talk. I have 700 questions, yeah. by the way, just from that one moment. I'm trying to like pull it together. I actually would love to know. So as a Sephora cast member, I was reading about how like, you know, the training that goes into it. And you were saying we had to know the difference between, you know, hyaluronic acid and hydroquinone. And I think sometimes when people go into places like Sephora or an Ulta and somebody offers to help them, you often think maybe you know more than the cast member does, right. right? Like, I just would love to talk to you a little bit about that because what exactly was that training like? I mean, I know it's been a long time. When you were there, what was it like getting trained with all of these different brands? Yeah. Oh, it's such a great point. So I have so many thoughts about this. Number one, yes, it was a while, but I remember it like yesterday because I mean, like we like we rented out a, a hotel at the time because the store wasn't even open. So this was the first inaugural store at Syracuse. So we were like the first opening cast members. We got a training in every single brand because it was a brand new experience for all of us. So this is my first time like seeing field trainers and people come from the brands to actually educate us because education was kind of key. I think there's two things happening. I think there's a birth of the internet <laughs> and, you know, people, which is a cursing and a blessing, you know, having the internet disposable, whether it's Twitter, whether it's Instagram, let's not talk about Reddit, but everyone becomes this uh, kind of self expert, right? You come in, you say, nope, that's the wrong percentage of hydroquinone and this and that and that. And again, it really is the formulation, the full package of this product and this formula that, that delivers that, um, 
kind of material and experience. So I think when I was working at Sephora, we really were trusted because we, you know, had to go through it. There was even, I think there were certifications at one point that you people have, especially in the skincare sector, there were two certified like skincare people that could go and help you understand like, is retinol the right time to be introduced to your, you know, routine? Why Peter Thomas Ross versus Murad, et cetera. So it's funny now that people are like, oh, they don't know what they're talking about. I mean, of course, things change by by location, but trust the Sephora employee because they really do, especially if they're specific brand questions, you can tell by the enthusiasm or you, even just the little kind of nitbits that they're spit back to you that you know came through <laughs> the representative there. So I don't know. I, I just think it's just the, the self-righteousness of the internet, which again, we love the internet, but it's just so much access to information. Suddenly we're all experts of the, of the field and product developers. <laughs> But it's way more complicated than that. And we really do have to trust those at the counter. And of course, there's going to be some bad apples that probably don't know how to shape match you or, you know, not experts in all things Sephora. I mean, how many brands do they possibly carry? But it's interesting because I, I don't know. I don't know if I believe that versus like, I think Sephora of all places versus like a Macy's or like other drugstore departments where they're not really sales and commission driven. They're really about, you know, experience driven. It's different. Totally. Totally. Okay, let's uh, go back to when you were at Glossier. This was a time when like Glossier was like, they were considered to be like the most influential, game changing. Everyone was like trying to copy them. There were a million brands that were coming up that were literally like just trying to copy them. (laughs) It was such a wild time. What was that like to be there, to be on the product development team? You know, like you said, you were doing a million jobs. And then, like, how did sort of experience influence you when you launched Amicole and then, you know, now as a founder running Amicole? Whoa, like, what a loaded question. I mean, first of all, yes. We, I feel like I was in the belly of the beast. It's so funny how everything worked out. My, my life is very serendipitous sometimes because before I actually interviewed with the Glossy team, I, I just randomly went to go visit my girlfriend in San Jose. And she was pregnant and we were just kind of just doing a tour, like the kind of final like girls night out. And then Glossy had been, um, they'd been doing a pop-up at San Francisco. So we drove all the way to San Francisco to see the pop-up. And I was just like, what the heck is happening? Because the fact that people are waiting in line, rain or shine, for like two or three hours to walk into this small, very curated space just blew my mind especially coming from New York, because I already had some pop-up experience, but this is San Francisco. Like we, they were an East Coast-based brand, but there was a cult following all the way across the nation. So that was the weekend that I was traveling to go interview for Glossier on Monday. I literally ran into Emily Weiss on the plane. She's like, are you following me? (laughs) I am not following you. I'll see you on Monday. I'm not following you. Enjoy your trip. Don't even want to talk. Like, heads down. I was, like, kind of embarrassed that I even (laughs) ran into her. (laughs) But all that to say, it was just such a fanatical place because people were literally, like, beyond the product just about Glossier. So, yes, when I joined that time, it was crazy. Everything was washed in pink, literally painting town pink. Star had just launched, and... I had been there up and through, like, they, they raced Series D. And I remember, like, ringing bells, like, we raced. I'm like, what the hell is a Series D? Like, what does that even <laughs> mean? Like, <laughs> why do we need so much money? Why are people so frantic <laughs> about this brand, you know? And I think it was a lot of pressure. Again, I, like, I don't know if you know, but I've never done product development before. I was always a social media gal, very obsessed and almost crazy and fanatic about products, but i never been in practice of it. So... For me, honestly, it felt like I hadn't gone to the gym in two years and suddenly I was like in the Olympics. (laughs) I was learning on the fly. I had to figure out what product development meant. I had to figure out, you know, what raw materials meant, you know, whether it's trying to find a QIL and, and trying to find the best contract manufacturers and just developing the product, but then bringing it back to marketing. Like, how do we what does this comment look like on this product? Like, what does this, the scent look like? What does the, the color look like? Because we were an Instagram first brand. We wanted to visually attract this customer who's like thumbing through the brands. How do we do that? And also make sure that the product was good. So one of my babies was the face oil, future do. <laughs> and I remember, you know, doing just so much research on like, 
okay, how do I create this glossy look? How do I create this, this, you know, no makeup, makeup glow, just woke up vacation skin in a bottle. And like, what does it look like? Is it makeup or is it skincare or is it a hybrid? And after months of research, and that meant literally manually going through, through Reddit, manually calling people and bringing, wrangling them into the office downtown and having them sit at a desk and say like, okay, like if this was a thing, what would it be? It very quickly made me realize, especially coming from L'Oreal, that there is a beauty in being human and like just being able to talk to human beings and ask them what they want <laughs> and create that thing and kind of break down those silos and barriers to be able to create that kind of cult favorite thing. And until this day, it's one of Glossy's number one products. And I think that magical moment, as gruesome as it felt during the moments, trying to get that formulation right, the emotion right, the suspension right, all the way down to, you know, having that on the website, it was just like, holy freak, like this is actually a thing. So fast forwarding and going back to your question about being a brand owner now, I mean, I knew, number one, I didn't want to create the same thing, <laughs> but I also knew that what I wanted to create was for a very long time just didn't exist. And it's kind of crazy that it didn't exist. So I was just going back to that feeling of the shop feeling, creating that safe space and kind of kind of take off your bra moment and just be amongst friends and family that really understood you. And that meant really thinking about the formula with melanin skin first, you know, not creating something and saying, oh, by the way, does this work on your skin, Jada? Or hey, by the way, like, do you have any black friends that you can try this on? It was really thinking about, you know, this cohort of women in the very beginning and Again, talking to people, talking to community, and really asking them those questions to create the product. Yeah, so here we are kind of creating that as a DNA and then trying to kind of build off that. But a lot of that experience did come from working at such a place as Gossier. I just have a question about like working with Emily Weiss. And, you know, I think so many brand founders, you know, like look up to her, obviously. I know she has been criticized here and there. But was there anything that you learned from her you know, about running a company or maybe not to shade her or anything, but anything that she did that you wouldn't do as a founder? Great question. <laughs> very salacious questions. Love it here. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been asked that question before very publicly. So um, if you know my platform, I keep it real. But two things I learned. I think one thing that Emily is really good at is building. She's really good at understanding the vision, staying true to it at any means. Like, you know what I mean? If it means like, canceling an entire launch because it just doesn't feel right or not in sync with the vision that she had in mind, it's going to happen. And again, that feels gruesome and, and tedious for a team of 20 people to kind of work towards this thing and it be kind of thrown out. But if it didn't fit into what exactly she had envisioned for this customer and the product, then it's not happening. That gave me a sense of, especially now, I mean, in the moment, you're like, papers are flying, like <laughs> things are crazy. But now being in the position of CEO and founder, I do see that there is some benefit to it because you want to make sure that your brand DNA is very close. And no matter what you do or how you touch it, like Glossier feels like Glossier no matter where, whether it's Seattle, London, New York, Glossier is Glossier. I, I would say another strength of hers, I think, is knowing what she doesn't know. <laughs> I think she's very like, you know, like, I am the art director. I have a close proximity to the aesthetic of the brand. And what we're trying to achieve from a legacy perspective, but maybe finance isn't, isn't my thing. And tapping Henry Davis very early on to say, hey, I need you to be the business driver here or finding a CFO and, and all of those things are very important. I think I similarly you know, behave the same way. If I don't know, I don't pretend to know it, but I at least try to have type of, especially very early on in the company, you have to have to know something. You have to understand what equity means, what vesting means, and like what, what an actual healthy team culture looks like. I think on the other end of it, there's always an underbelly of a very, you know, quick place startup land. And then I think there's just an air of girl boss that happened as well. You know, now that we're kind of breaking down that idea of what girl boss meant, I don't know if it was the most inclusive. And even in just in terms of the internal health of a company, you can grow so quickly and you're so steadfast on the vision that you don't kind of look to your left and right to see if like, are people sick? Are they okay? Are they burnt out? Do we need more additional support here? And like, how do we actually create infrastructure of making sure people are healthy at the company? So I'm very, very sensitive to that now. And like, especially we're only three months in and opportunities are coming, but like, how do we make sure that people are not 
resentful of even working here? You know, how do we make sure people are, you know, giving their best ideas and not saying, okay, well, you don't have any more ideas. Bye. We know someone else that has ideas. And we're, we're going to Facebook and we're going to Amazon trying to find that talent to kind of replace the next. And then you miss the magic sometimes. You know, the magic does come in the kitchen sink sometimes, talking over things and, and brainstorming and having that Reddit mentality and kind of sifting through for, for gold mines. But I think that was a challenge. And I think it's a very plain to see challenge. You know, if you read anything, it's just very, it's a very difficult place to work sometimes. And I don't know if it's a fault to anyone or just kind of waiting. There's one day you wake up and like you have 100 employees and you've never been a manager before. So like, if you don't know very early on that you need that executive coach, you need that HR infrastructure, you very quickly create this disposable culture and like you have the founder here and the rest of the company here, you know, I think that's something that I'm very conscious of and it haunts me <laughs> to this day, but like trying to be careful around that, that company work culture. I was going to say, I'm overwhelmed just even thinking about that. Like I have anxiety just, and I don't even have like an employee, not even one, you know, like, like that's the thing. I feel like management training would make the world, if everyone like actively got into management training and also would acknowledge the fact, hey, maybe I'm not a good manager. Maybe I shouldn't be managing people. Just take the L. It's not, no one's going to fault you for it. But like, I don't want you to be a demon as a manager to the people you're supervising, right? So I feel like that's a whole other podcast conversation. (laughs) But yes, it's management of Kirby. It's also like feedback culture. You know, when when you, especially a place like Glossy where everything is lit, you walk in, everything is pink, things are fluffy, there are flowers. And there's there's like incense burning. And then you're like, you don't belong here. <laughs> Especially when it comes to, let's be real, like younger culture, you know, when like a lot of your, your vice president is like 23 years old. <laughs> um, yeah. Like, you know, a yep. few steps out of college and like, you're like creating this culture of like, are we really, you know, where we are supposed to be in the, in the lateral sense of the, of the company. So it, you know, the feedback culture becomes very hidden or people are too nice to even say so because one thing I will say, the people that worked at Glossier, like I'm still blown away because the talent was there, the drive was there. People wanted to do the thing, but along the way, sometimes it became like a very grunt, you know, kind of uphill battle of like building the pyramids. <laughs> so it's just a very careful thing, especially working remotely. Like you have all those things, and then now you're like, okay, how do I deliver feedback on Zoom where like you're and your body and everything the timing of when you book the freaking zoom account matters now (laughs) so yeah it's a lot it's a lot to handle but i'm up for the challenge (laughs) i think that you're definitely you know smooth sailing yeah i'm not worried about you i'm just saying all of those things that you brought up mm, mm -mm. no i need a xanax the fact that you're even thinking about those things one and two that you have you know worked at so many different companies already and you have like lived through it yourself like you're gonna be great like we have no worries about you we would we would love to work for you I keep forgetting that your brand is only like three months old too. That's the thing. That's the like the bonkers thing that we need to note here. Ami Kole is only three months old. We launched end of May. That's wild. <laughs> How big is your company? Right. So we have only four full-time employees, including myself. <laughs> so it's myself. It's a brand director. Crazy, right? That's still a lot of people <laughs> to like look after and think about. It is a lot of people. And then and then also, like, we have a brand director, we have a, a VP of operations, and then a social media manager. And then we're slowly hiring part-time and a, a slew of consultants as well. Like, whether it's working with, like, a, created agencies like Pool House and, like, other, you know, people kind of feeding into our funnel, but essentially for full-time. And then we have, like, a kind of ecosystem of other people that we tap in at, at a more, like, you know, sporadic or, like, monthly basis. But been good it's been good so far it blows my mind that we're only three months old because number one I've been like dreaming of this since like 2014 I literally have swear to god I have like cutouts and doodles of like one day I'm gonna create this thing and then like and then I would have periods throughout and I and people always say I'm like how did you wake up and start this thing I'm like girl it's been how many years of the making and like along the way it's just timing it's like either the industry isn't ready 
you're not ready. You don't have the connections. I started thinking about this way before Rihanna. I mean, I love Rihanna. I'm obsessed with Rihanna. <laughs> so when she created this thing, I'm like, oh, great. Like, now that's out the window. <laughs> and then also still keeping steadfast to the vision. I knew that there was a little bit more and deeper that we can go into. And there's so many different ways to tell beauty stories that we can't really um, forfeit. So it's been a while, but only three months <laughs> above above ground, at least. I mean, I say this because, like, you have been covered by every major outlet known to mankind. I mean, you must be the networker of the century and, like, have some good, like, relationship skills because, I mean, Vogue, everybody has covered your brand. So let's get into Amicole. I have all the products here. And I just need you to know that Sarah, she compared this to Chanel, okay? <gasps> so I know a couple of weeks ago, she did a what's on her face and she mentioned, she was like, Amicole. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm so jealous. Tell me all about the products. <laughs> She's like, it's like Chanel. So you talked about like the why and who this was for and like the vision, but let's go into brand overall. I want to know more about the name. I want to know more about the orange. I want to know more about the logo. Please tell us everything. Oh my God. First of all, I am dying. You guys can't see it, but I'm like dying right now. <laughs> Sarah, wow. Only because it just blows my mind because not only like, the customers, but editors particularly, like you try everything and you're sick of everything. <laughs> so when it finally sticks, it's just like, oh my God, like what a blessing. And like, if I was not a product developer in my like life right now, I'd definitely be an editor because I just love trying things and talking about it. So like, I'm so blessed to hear that. I'm Nicole. I mean, listen, first of all, the brand is named after my mother. You know, she is the first touch point into beauty for me. So Amicole, this very fierce and like, fearless immigrant into the United States. And like my mom loved work <laughs> and her work was beauty, luckily. So there are pictures of me in the salon in a bassinet, which I think is totally inappropriate. I'm like, there could have been a maternity leave here. I know I was still me. I know you were still breastfeeding me, ma'am. This is inappropriate. Fumes everywhere and like hairspray. <laughs> but <laughs> I literally just remember her loving just, just her work, but just the customers being so happy and like, Again, people like that I grew up around from like five years old to 12 years old, like literally knowing a first name basis, like Dina, hi, this person, because they've always come to this home that was our beauty shop. So that's the name of the brand and the genesis of it. And I, I try to keep that very near and dear in the way that we shoot and the way that we talk about the brand, making it feel very homegrown. But we also, I think that for me, specifically working at Sephora, being a product junkie, there was always a trade-off with experience when it came to beauty brands targeted for women of color. So for me, especially coming from a world like Glossier, it was like the, the website was kind of janky. It was very like beauty supply store, like back of shelf trying to find that thing. Or like the product was so good, you didn't give a damn about what it was packaging. You just like give it to me because it's the only thing I could find. So for me, I, I really wanted to marry the quality experience, whether it's the ingredients, the actual sensorial experience on the skin, the packaging, you feel the product and the, the secondary packaging, it's almost like this linen feeling with embossment. Like it feels very luxe at an accessible price point. And especially last year, I think there was, you know, number one, I wanted this, this brand to feel very timeless. Yes, of course. But then last year was heavy. 2020 was very heavy. And I knew that with this brand, and even for me personally, that beauty was my version of joy. I would escape some ways and try to find just a makeup look that I missed or just looking alive a little bit. We've been in the house. Black Lives Matter is happening. There's a pandemic going on. It's affecting people in different ways. But generally, the sentiment was bad. <laughs> so for me, I think Amicole was like, how do I spark joy again? Like, how do I make joy a revolution in itself? Like, making the smiley face a thing, making the bright orange a thing, making smiling a thing. Like, you know, not having to be like, fierce Beyonce black beauty. I'm like, girl, I'm next door. I'm smiling. I'm just looking at myself. <laughs> I'm going to the supermarket. How do I see that woman who's looking for that solution? And of course, grab your Fenty's and your Pat McGrath when you're going out. I love a euphoria moment. But every day I'm really looking like myself and how do I enhance that? So for me, from a brand packaging perspective, it's something that I kept driving home. I think, especially black women, there's a, a level of resilience, you know, that I think still happens and like a level of 
always finding joy, even like just looking at black Twitter alone, like it's, it's just like the, the most terrible thing could be happening. <laughs> but black Twitter will find a joke somewhere <laughs> and it becomes like a cultural moment. So I think we were really sensitive to that when we created the brand and we want to bring joy wherever you are. Yes. It's luxury. Like Kirby said, I it reminded me a lot of Chanel. The, you know, orange is like Hermes, but the Ooh. formulation is like, it's so beautiful and it's clean. And, you know, like I feel good about using it. Like you can tell that you just put so much thought in to creating these products. I could go on more and more about it, but I love every single product and I can't wait to hear like what more you will develop for us. I'm wearing medium two right now. Kirby, what are you? So I also have medium two, but I haven't put it on yet because I am planning on working out after okay. this. So mm-hmm. I don't want to waste any, Got it. you know, we're not about that life. So <laughs> I'm going to hold on to this, but I am wearing the, I want to make sure I have the name right. The lip treatment oil, mm. which I think is actually, can we talk about the lip treatment oil? I yes. saw the videos of you and Brooke, like waxing poetic about how amazing this product is. And I was like, get on my lips. So it doesn't feel like an oil, though. So tell me, like, what is this magic? It's so (laughs) sensual, but it looks like an oil. That's the thing that's crazy. I'm looking at myself in the mirror. I have a light shining on me, and I have this, like, really beautiful – it looks like an oil sheen, but it does not feel like an oil. So tell us. What's up? Your lips look amazing, Kirby. They do. Oh, my God. And your skin (laughs) So the lip treatment oil, it's so funny because this was like a silent hitter. I, I knew it was good and I knew that people would love it, but I'm like shook. <laughs> like we're selling them like hotcakes, like, you know, from our total sales per day. So number one, we all need lip gloss and lip oil. I know that people love a matte lip gloss treatment, but I love a little shine because again, like, especially last year, I was just straying away from color a little bit, but I still wanted something to pull the lip together. And I wanted that something to be also a skincare benefit as well. So for us, we were thinking like nostalgic, like old school Mac vibe, very thick, glassy look where Aaliyah was just pulling out her moments or like, you know, little Kim and like, you know, Mary J. Blige, it would always be a glossy moment, whether it was a dark brown or purple or just clear. So we knew we wanted that old school vibe, but we wanted to kind of make it very modern where it would treat your skin. So we have oils in there like Camilla oil and passion fruit oil and Bob seed oil to really create that nourishing, like hydrating lip moment, but then also give you the look, the look of non-glossy because it's very thick, but not like sticky. So we love, so we wanted to be like, okay, like, again, like I love my Laneige and like my bite mask or like agave mask, but like, how do I make it so I can grab it all the time and like apply for us, it was a lip oil treatment. And like, we were so annoying with our chemists. I'm like, you need to get this right. <laughs> I need it to be not a fragrance. I, I want an aroma. I want it to be a little, you know, like a nice treat every time you reapply it. I want it to be like something that every skin tone could wear. You know, it's giving you like a wash of color, but not too much where you have to change your eye makeup or anything like that. So the lip oil treatment eventually became that kind of everyday staple. And let's be honest, thinking about the internet, like how do we get people to whip out something outside in the street or like, you know, pull out something out of their Brandon Blackwood purse or things like that. And that's what's been happening. People are going to brunch now again and like sharing their lip oils and all that stuff. So such a treat. I hope everyone gets to experience it at least once. (laughs) I want to know how you landed on like Italy as a manufacturer, like why Italy? I'm sure that you were entertaining a bunch of other places. Tell us why and how Italy. Absolutely. So a very tactical reason why is like there was this huge convention of like product development convention called Cosmoprof. At this convention, everyone who's anyone that's in the manufacturing and contract um, development, we come here. So for me, I literally walked booth to booth to booth <laughs> trying to find this thing. So I created this brief. I'm like, it looks like this. I'm like crazy when I'm briefing. I'm like, it smells like this. And, you know, this is the look on, on Instagram. Like, do it. <laughs> And, you know, it was kind of like weaving, trying to find the best contract manufacturer. And this is so funny because at the time I literally had a dime to my name. I'm like, I don't even know how this is going to happen, but I'm going to get those samples. (laughs) I'm going to figure out funding later. (laughs) So I went out there and I just hit the ground that way, just trying to start finding the best contract manufacturer. So, but historically, Italy has been like a kind of a hub of very rich, luxurious, you know, those formulas that we love. 
when it comes to makeup, Italy being the location for innovation, when it comes to skincare, Korea being the major um, innovator in, in the cosmetic space. So Italy was not really by like, you know, I guess on purpose, but really just by chance and finding the best vendor of, of all of them. My head of operations now is just like, we need to find more domestic vendors <laughs> uh, <laughs> because you're, this is crazy. The lead times are crazy. I'm like, oh, sorry. <laughs> so right now we're, we're trying to do, you know, a little bit more like made in America or USA, um, at least Canada, you know, nearby <laughs> to see what those formulas look like. But for for that, you know, reason, it's kind of why we started in Italy. Love that. Awesome. Okay. So you mentioned that your mom, does she still have the salon, the African braiding salon? She does. It's still there. She's And is she still going strong? She's still going strong. She's freaking out because people are coming with Amicole. And she's like, how'd you get that? <laughs> What's, where'd you buy that thing? <laughs> You're not selling Amicole at the salon? <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm, I'm so desperately trying to find like even just the beauty supply stores where people are like still going to get their hair and like trying to get their products and in, in, in hair care products like and trying to figure out that that distribution model because it's a, such a lucrative one but not yet but I do envision us doing like pop-ups or like some other type of activations like the home of but we're trying to figure that part out yet. <laughs> Okay. Well, when you come to LA, let us know. We can help get you the right spot, give you all oh, the tea love. on where, what has the most foot traffic and all that good stuff. I asked this because, you know, Ami Cole, obviously named after your mother, will we see hair products as an extension of this? Like, what are your thoughts on hair and that category? Yes. Oh, I think... First of all, hair is a tough category. <laughs> hair is a, even when I was like fundraising, like, huh, why wouldn't you start with hair care? And I'm like, uh, <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out my hair. <laughs> <laughs> the answer to that is not no. I think that we are just in our, in our very beginning stages of what beauty means. And I think beauty, especially for a woman of color, is just so 360. So it's absolutely not a no. Let's see where it goes. And I think what would be interesting, and I don't mean to just like put my idea out there, but <laughs> for me and even Amiko Lay, there was a moment where I just stopped relaxing my hair and me pairing it back or me like trying to find the natural way incentivized me to love myself in a different way. When the hair strands from your head grow differently or they look differently, you look like a different person, whether it's a haircut, whether it's like texture or like, oh my God, I didn't know my hair curled this way. It was such a beautiful moment and very vulnerable moment of that transition moment. And the same with makeup. When I pared it down a bit, like I remember college with the Sephora days, I was like doing the cut crease. I was doing the eyebrows with the concealer. And when I, and I, to the point where I couldn't leave the house without doing that, I'm like, oh my God, don't look at me. My eyebrows are bad. And then now I'm like, that was silly. Like, you know, my eyebrows look fine. My bare skin looks fine. And there was some beauty to it. So I think Wherever we go in beauty, whatever category we do venture into, I want to keep remembering those moments where we fall back in love with each other, with ourselves, where each other as in the mirror. <laughs> and, yeah. and I think there's some beauty there. So I, you know, wherever we go, again, we, we probably would venture or anchor in, in that. Can you give us any hints? I know it's been three months and like, I'm grateful for the three products and <laughs> I, I don't want to seem ungrateful, but what are you thinking about? Can you give... Glam Jolinos, which is what we call our listeners, like any, you know, sort of tea or hints of like what we can expect. Like I would love a brow product from you. Maybe a Ooh. little Ooh, a a cheek tint. Talk to us. You're obviously like thinking about and developing other products, but what direction are you going in? All those things. <laughs> it's so funny because you, again, you launch, but like product development is so far out. So we're already working on 23. So it's it's so crazy. So we're, we're literally doing like finishing touches, but my team would kill me if I revealed, but it's coming very soon. It's coming very soon. As soon as like a couple months, maybe two months from now, we are, we're coming up with something fresh that you probably would not be like, oh, okay, cool. That's okay. So I always go for the hard things first because Java. <laughs> I'm a Virgo moon. So I'm like, how do I Beyonce this? <laughs> oh, yes, girl. Yes. What is your, what are your big three? Okay. So ready for this? Okay. Oh, wait, hold on. I know I know your son. Okay, which is? Because you're a Sagittarius, right? I am. I am a Sagittarius. Yes. I got the fire. Uh-huh, Sagittarius. I'm like always like, what 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 new planet should we conquer? Like, where should we go? 
the Virgo moon will keep me organized and keep me actually following through with those, with those ideas and just, you know, adding systems to it. I'm a Leo rising. Oh my God. This makes so much <laughs> sense. This just is like the trifecta. Like that makes so much sense. Do you know that, that your birthday, you're born on December. I know this is creepy, but you're born on December 18th, right? I am. So, so many like prestigious people are born on that day. And I really like need who else? to reread Malcolm Glad- Gladwell's book, oh. Brad Pitt, Steven Spielberg, I'm pretty sure. Christina Aguilera. You're destined for success. Yes. Amen, amen, I mean, amen. she has the success. <laughs> I'm like looking up more people born on S- December 18th. There are a few more people. Yeah, Christina and then J- Jay-Z it's is, a, is a Sagittarius. Nicki Minaj is a Sagittarius. And then, you know, Beyonce, Britney Spears is a Sag. So like we're wild, but we need someone to like bring it in. Luckily, my Virgo does that for me. But can you imagine that trifecta in, the, in, a, in an office space, like at a, at a L'Oreal box? I was like, oh, I got to get I got to get out of here. I'm going to jump out the window. Now you're like, I need to shine. Yeah, I got to shine. I got to like push my way out of here. I freaking love that. <laughs> yeah, so. I love it. So I'm so grateful. This whole journey is like teaching me about myself because social media, you're always behind the scenes. You know, you're always kind of like, coaching people to kind of pull out the star in them and finally I'm like oh I guess I am in front of the camera now and now I'm becoming a little bit more comfortable with it I was very shy about it before I'm like who I think I am who who is this random girl from Harlem saying that she's starting this brand and now I'm like I'm stepping into my light (laughs) it's time yes it is we've been waiting Yay, I'm so grateful. But yes, we do have some newness in the in the works and we have like a, a home moment in December, like just to kind of bring it home, which will be very exciting. And then we're just thinking about 2022, which will be a big year for us. And, you know, do, are we going to be in stores? What store is the right store? Like thinking all those things through. So yeah, I'm really excited. Very excited for you as well. We're going to end this interview on a new note. We used to ask a question of everyone. It was the same question every time. It was, who would your co-star be in like a blockbuster movie? I have since decided, so sorry, Sarah, I took over this question. (laughs) I'm like, nope, we're doing something new. So recently I've become obsessed with watching celebrities get surprised with other celebrities that they're obsessed with, okay? There's all of these like compilations on YouTube. I'm going to send you this link so you can see it. But, But if you were like on a TV show, And someone was like, okay, who is your celebrity? Like, who are you obsessed with? And then they opened up the doors and that person walked out. Like, who would you maybe like have like a breakdown about? Okay. Ooh. Can I do dead in the live? Yes, too. Okay. Dead would be Prince. I would be on the floor. Prince. I don't know what it is about Prince. I don't even understand. I don't know how I got here, but but I am purple range out. Okay. Second would be Rihanna. Yep. I met her once and I almost died. Okay, so. I met Rihanna Wait a minute, tell us. Are you ready for yes, the story? Yes, 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 yes. Yes, please. <laughs> so, okay, this is what happened. So, I, I basically, long story short, I've been very sad. I either was uh, like not having a good time at work or about walking laid off, who knows. My best friend worked at Connie Nash. And she was like, you know, we have this little conference. We need to leave the house. I'm like, eh, I don't want to go. It's a meat packing. <laughs> <laughs> so she's like, well, Rihanna's going to be there. And I swear, I don't know why I didn't register in my mind. For me, Rihanna's going to be there virtually. There was no way Rihanna was coming to an event that no one knew about. So I'm like, whatever. I put on my little skirt, my little, um, you know, sweater. And I head up um, up to meat packing. And I'm sitting there and we're talking about like, um, this is fashion, something like that very intimate event. I'm sitting there. I'm like waiting desperately. I'm like, I think Brianna's actually going to be here. So let me just wait. Couldn't ask any questions because everyone was so quiet. And my friend was actually working the event. <laughs> I'm like, oh, let me just go to the bathroom or whatever. And let's just wait for this Rihanna moment. I'm in the bathroom. Okay. On the line to use the bathroom. And I hear someone, everyone's like, <gasps> and I'm like, what? I turn around and Rihanna's like, Hi. Literally, I turn around, she's like, hi. She taps me on my shoulder and like, can I please skip you to use the bathroom, girl? <laughs> I said, Rihanna, please, please be in front of me. Oh, my God. This, the world is yours. I died. There's like three stalls. I could not use the bathroom. So I'm like telling people to go in front of me because I'm like, I have to wait for Rihanna to use that, like leave the bathroom. <laughs> I don't know how I think my energy or something about it. She wasn't freaked out because we're in the bathroom, mind you. 
And she's like, oh my God, thank you so much. I mean, I have to, I had to use the bathroom all the way through traffic and I'm up next. I'm like, Rihanna, I'm wearing Fenty right now on my skin. I gave her a breakdown of my, I'm like, I'm, I'm 480 on my skin. I have kilowatt on and she, and we're like having a moment in the bathroom. She's like, girl, I'm like, girl. <laughs> and then I do the most inappropriate thing in the bathroom as one does. I whip up my, my, my freaking phone. I'm like, I, Rihanna, please. She's like, it's okay. So I'm like, hey, so it's literally Rihanna in the back of me dancing. And I'm like, guys, bad gal lady is behind me. And she's like, she's like Millie rocking behind me. I'm like, what the actual F is going on? Like, what is going on? And I walk out and she walks out. And this is this the day when she wore that denim suit. Remember she had the denim like dress and then the, the denim skirt and looked just like what? She smelled so good. Okay. And that's my Rihanna story. And I'm just waiting for it to happen again. <laughs> you are literally the 700th person like her whole promo for her fragrance was that a thousand people are like and she smelled so good and she smelled so good what does she smell like do you even can you even describe it I can describe it okay because I used to love fragrance so there's a depth to it where you can tell there's like a woodsy element to it but there's some like blackberry or some type of like sweetness which I actually don't like navigate to towards but it's it's intoxicating because like you, you're just drawn to it, but it's just such a mystery because it's so deep. So it's very easily, I would say it's a winter fragrance. I wouldn't say it's like a fall, even though she did wear it in fall <laughs> or spring. She could do what she wants. She is Rihanna. <laughs> <laughs> it's not something I would actually wear. Like the Killian one that people said that she wears, the one that's, that's very fruity. I actually wouldn't wear that, but it's like it's Rihanna and it's just amazing. And that day I just felt like life is good. <laughs> I'm just waiting for another moment where it's like me and Rihanna talking about our two beauty brands and how we're going to take over the industry, putting it out there. I mean, she's definitely tried it, even if she even if she hasn't like Instagrammed it or whatever. Like you know that she has it in her hands because she has to. Like she has to try it to see who her competition is. But also, she's a big she's like a big supporter of other people. You know, like lifting other pe- women up, and so. I'm just, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna, we're all expecting to see Ami Kale on her Instagram, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm just expecting like a yacht moment where we're just like thinking about all our woos and like, you know, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> Inject that story into my veins. That story gave me so much serotonin, you don't even know. Sarah, have you met Rihanna? No, I've not met her. I've been in her presence. Like she's walked by me on a red carpet We've been in the same room, but I have not like interacted with her. I would, I'd probably melt into a million pieces as well. Very early on in my career, it was during the 777 era where like all hell was breaking loose. I mean, this girl was wild. She was wild. Like nobody, they, they took a bunch of journalists on this like private jet and like she wouldn't even talk to them. And then she was drinking. It was like a whole ordeal. And she showed up like four hours late to this fragrant launch, fragrance launch. I think it was like the fragrance was called Nude or something. We waited four hours in the rain at a Macy's to like get maybe three seconds with her. And at first they told us, okay, each journalist gets five minutes. I was like, great. I can ask as many. I can get those questions out. Her publicist comes over and is like, you get one question. And I'm like, what? Oh my God. Like, how do we, this is insane. And she did smell great. I could not tell you exactly what she smelled like. So we're going to go with your description. The picture of me interviewing her, it was like my my first huge celebrity. Literally, I'm like holding the mic out and I'm like, like a little derp face. Like I'm just like so enamored with her beauty and how gorgeous she is. I can't wait. I don't even know how I was able to talk to her because at that time I was like bad Rihanna. Like at this point, I like... I was, I was like, when she had, when she came out with Rude Boy, I was in Paris going crazy with my best friends, came back and then she had to drink. I, I was just, I was Rihanna down. I was living in Brooklyn. It's because she tapped you. It's because she initiated combo, right? Like she made it comfortable. It wasn't you being like the fan being like, oh, please, Rihanna, like take a picture with me. It was like, she was like, girl, I got to go pee. <laughs> Right. And there's something about being in a bathroom line with your girlfriend talking about makeup. It's like, it doesn't matter if you know each other or not, you know, like you just connect on another level. So that's an amazing story. And then you know what? The next time you see her, it's going to be in the Met Gala bathroom. 
because you're going to have been invited to the Met and then y'all are going to have a moment in the Met Gala bathroom. Yeah, you know it. Jada's going to be in the epic mirror selfie with all the celebrities. With everyone smoking in the bathroom and... (laughs) <laughs> you know, don't make me cry. Don't make me cry. You know, she is dating ASAP Rocky, who lives in Harlem, I think, or at least from Harlem. So maybe he'll bring her over here somewhere. <laughs> yes. Yeah. What a beautiful couple. Uh, thank gorgeous couple. Giada, thank you so much. This was such a pleasure. Thank you. This was so much fun. We had the best. <laughs> We're smiling ear to ear. We're just, we had the best time with you. Um, where can everybody find Ami Kole? and support you. Absolutely. So we are on amicole.com. So write to our D to C. We're also on 13loon.com and goop.com. Woo! Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today. (laughs) Everyone, thank you for listening to Gloss Angeles. You know where to find us. We're on Instagram and Twitter at Gloss Angeles Pod. Join our Facebook group, the Gloss Angeles Glamgelinos. And of course, if you have any questions or want to chat with us, you can call our hotline or you can find us on GlossAngelesPod.com. And we will talk to you on Tuesday. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.